What's poppin', y'all? Welcome to Eddie and Mike, the podcast. It's me, Mike Pyatt. I'm here with my guy. Eddie P in the building, in the kitchen. In the kitchen. Um, we got a good show today because it's a bunch of stuff that's been happening in the sports world. Locally, you got the Caps and Nats. They're doing their thing. Um, the Nats, they're six and seven in second place in the NL East. That's what's up. And the Caps, they clinched the play- playoffs back this past Sunday. So we are going to talk about them later in the show. Um, we're definitely going to talk about the NBA playoffs. But first, we're diving head first into the NFL. I know that this is a Washington show, but we're definitely going to have to start off with the Debo Samuel request for a trade. Um, Eddie, I just feel like nowadays these younger players, they're more willing to be a bit rebellious. They don't mind if they alienate the fans. They don't mind if they um, rub people the wrong way. They are going to do pretty much what they want to do. Um, I have a sneaky suspicion that Debo was expecting money more than Christian Kirk, and the 49ers aren't willing to give it to him. So that's when a trade request happened. Now, I also yeah. just found out that um, the 49ers say they have no intentions of trading them. So what's your thoughts on this whole fiasco? Another so I, I, think, I think he just looked and saw, you know, Adams making his way out of, um, out of Green Bay. Um, I don't know why I'm blanking right now. Oh, Tyreek Hill going to Miami. Can't believe I forgot about that one. I think he's seeing that. Uh, his agent, I believe he has the same agent as A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown is holding out of camp. And, uh, you know, maybe he just – maybe he sees the writing on the wall early. Uh, San Francisco is a young and up-and-coming team, especially when you uh, factor in the dynamic ability of a uh, – um, what's that boy's name? Lance? Trey Lance? Make sure I said his name right. But maybe for him he just sees things going in a direction he doesn't like. Maybe there's another team he wants to be on, and you know if he can also get the bag in 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 that you know one one swing, then yeah, maybe that's what he's trying to do. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, uh, obviously, we're waiting for all those Washingtonian uh, fans to say, "Oh, this you know we got to make a trade for him." I think the difference is though, he he doesn't have the leverage that you know. Devontae Adams is easily, my opinion, at like top two receiver in football. You know, maybe one year it's him. Next year, maybe a guy like Cooper Cup because of numbers. But when you look at what Devontae Adams did on, on a very explosive Green Bay offense, but really an offense where he was leaps and bounds the best receiver on that team, and the next best guy just wasn't even close. You know, you, you look at like – a Tyreek Hill who has a Travis Kelsey to help him out. Tanyan is not that guy in Green Bay. And while um, – what's the running back's name? I really like the way he catches – Aaron uh, Jones, the way he catches the ball in the backfield. Devontae Adams did a lot of that on his own. So him being that good and Green Bay kind of needing him created this, hey, I can get a bidding war between two teams. I don't know that Debo Samuel can necessarily do that. Like there are teams that want him. 
but the hall is not going to be near as big. You know, you look at, at what Miami gave up to get Tyreek Hill, what uh, Oakland gave up to get Devontae Adams. It's not going to be the same. You know what's wild about the Adams situation with Green Bay? I, I saw that um, Green Bay actually offered him more money than what he ended up signing for with the Raiders. Um, that's just wild. Apparently the, the team he grew up rooting for as a kid, it's like, you know, chance for him to live out a childhood dream, make a ton of money. He's got a familiarity with Derek Carr. But, you know, in regards to the Debo Samuel thing, I think a lot of people – sort of have that Madden fantasy football type of outlook on it. And they just, you know, I've seen people saying like, oh, if he comes to Baltimore or bring him to Carolina so him and Christian McCaffrey can play together. I mean, him and McCaffrey sounds nice, but like the way the rest of that team is set up, I just feel, I mean, that's obviously a Carolina fan that said that. But, I mean, I I, I do tend to think in that same breath, uh, uh, like the people I was just talking about, it would be kind of crazy to see him end up on a Baltimore or a, a, a Rams. Right. No, he's not going to the Rams. I don't know. No, well, that's, think that. I wanted to mention a few more teams, but I was going to say, I, I'm, you know, if he's traded within the <laughs> NFC, and that's an if, it's definitely not going to be to the Cardinals or the Rams or the right. Seahawks. But could a you lot imagine? Of people would the Cardinals? That, yeah, that, that would be ridiculous. You got DeAndre the Hopkins, AJ Green. Zach Ertz looked like he was starting to kind of revive his career. I don't know but what the they, Kyler Murray situation is. If they did sign but. him, that means they would be paying one receiver $30 million and another receiver $20 million. Like, that ain't – I wouldn't advise that. Mm-hmm. $55, I mean, $55 million on two players and their receivers. Yeah. yeah. But um, if the 49ers do trade for him, I saw that the Chiefs were interested. They got Why two first they round. They got two first round picks. They late though. They the 29th and 30th, but they got two. I'm just saying, like, if I'm the Chiefs, I'm like, what's up? Y'all want these two first? <laughs> oh, yeah, I want one of that's, these first. And that's that Madden fantasy football mentality I was saying. Obviously, I look, there's talk that, you know, Andy Reid and other uh you know, Chiefs uh, bigwigs are saying, oh, well, the offense won't change without Tyreek. I find that hard to believe. But you still got Patrick Mahomes. You still got Travis Kelsey. You got to hope Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can, you know, get healthy and make that next big step that they thought he would, uh, you know, be the player they thought he would be. But you had a Juju Smith-Schuster and a Debo Samuel to that team. That I mean, that's that's kind of a scary offense. A lot of fantasy football uh, – players be drafting all those guys high. I mean, Mahomes and Kelsey go high anyway, but now the, you know, those other two guys stock goes up even more. Um, I I was kind of really feeling just like looking at the way the, that Ravens fan was suggesting you got a Rashard Bateman and uh, uh, Mark Andrews and a Hollywood Brown. Not sure what the running back situation will look like. Cause JK Dobbins, you know, went down real early. We don't know if he'll get back to what he was. You got a Swiss Army knife like Debo. I mean, it would be kind of cool to see him come to Washington. Not happening. Oh, no. Unless the 49ers trade him and McLaurin straight up. But that would be – That'd be word. It'll be dumb because he only had one year of production to McLaurin's three and and a worse system with a worse quarterback. But I'm going to tell you this. 
if Washington is watching this, seeing the controversy that Debo's causing, seeing the controversies that AJ Brown's causing, McLuhan ain't saying nothing. McLuhan ain't saying nothing. He there. He might not be practicing, but he working out. Give him his bread, man. Yeah, those other guys didn't even show up. I know um, it's going to happen over the summer, so I'm not really tripping off of it. Um, If they gave Jonathan Allen 19 or 16 or however much money they gave him, I'm pretty sure they have no problem playing McLaurin his $25 Yeah, they'd certainly be wise to try to, you know, get that out the way now. Um, Nationals uh, pay Juan Soto (laughs) while we're talking about people need to be paid. Um, But we'll talk more baseball later down the road. Uh, The thing I saw that was interesting was like that – and, you know, I know – especially in pro sports, but more so it seems football. There's all this sort of like tight to the vest, like let's keep it a secret, you know, let's not let things get out. And I understand why I get all that. But I I saw a thing where Debo was like, I'm not going to explain why I want to leave. Like that, that tells me we're like entering, like, like this might not have to do with X's and O's. This might not even have to do with money. Like maybe I don't. They used him an awful lot, especially down the stretch, and rightfully so because he's so good and dynamic and versatile. But you know, maybe sometimes when you're that good, you kind of like you kind of want somebody else, like somebody else make a play real quick. Let me catch my breath. You know, maybe he just feels um, overused. Like yeah, like like they're just wearing him out, and they're going to end his career early. Maybe it's something like that. You know, like I said, maybe he sees some kind of writing on the wall because. You look at a, an offense with George Kittle. Um, what's my running back's name that was playing really well last year? He Elijah had some Mitchell. Problems. Elijah Mitchell. Elijah, Elijah Mitchell was looking really nice. They got a solid defense. California, I mean, I don't, I've never been to California at all. I don't know where, whether San Francisco or L.A. or what's the best, but I got to imagine living in that state can't be that bad. So. It's more expensive in the Bay Area, but I think it's better. But check this out. We'll I'm definitely that bill. We'll definitely talk about this next week because I'm pretty sure more info is going to come out. But um, speaking of information coming out, apparently the NFL is investigating the Cleveland Browns. And this has something to do with um, Hugh Jackson allegedly saying that they taint games in this lawsuit or whatever. The league, they hired... Uh, independent law firm to conduct the investigation. The review is ongoing and is expected to conclude soon according to a league statement that was sent to Sports Illustrated. Bruh, it's obvious that they were taken, but were were they doing it to the point where they did it illegally, if that makes any sense? How, How would you do that? Please indulge. Um, I just like playing, mean, like like telling Hugh Jackson to lose on purpose. Okay, okay. So right away with you mentioning Hugh Jackson, and um, you know we kind of we we talked about this, but we haven't mentioned uh, a whole lot further. And I'm trying to remember. Maybe Hugh Jackson's one of them. But didn't some other guys jump on uh, on board the Brian Flores suing the NFL uh, bandwagon? And I, and I don't mean to say bandwagon because that, that makes it yeah, sound like um, I know at least Leslie Frazier did it. And I think there was another younger coordinator that might have joined. So, so this situation seems to sort of be like 
not a casualty of that lawsuit, but I, I the way you're kind of saying it, and I remember seeing that that this that they were investigating this. If Hugh Jackson's the one saying I was told, that kind of sounds like Hugh Jackson is kind of joining that you know NFL mistreatment of black coaches, which I'm not but like. Please understand, like when I say, you know, bandwagon and, and the way I'm talking right now, I'm not dismissive of that situation or, or saying that, you know, those guys are wrong or this didn't happen. But it just kind of sounds like that is a casualty. You know, th- this tanking um, allegation is sort of a casualty of the bigger picture. I'm not trying to necessarily touch the lawsuit part of it. But as far as like teams tanking, that's been going on forever. That's how Jimmy Johnson built the Dallas Cowboys. He, he got there and he traded away everybody and they lost. So they acquired this. So they, they got better draft picks then. And on top of the trades, which he acquired draft picks, he slowly started to build his team. But you, you got to like, it's, it's almost like you got to hit rock bottom before you start getting better, um, which sounds stupid. You know, if like, if you're doing bad, why can't I stop doing bad and just, change to doing good. I, I don't make the rules when it comes to that stuff. But teams have always done this. The you know, you you're gonna say pause, but the suck for luck, you know, the tank for Trevor, like those things have been oh, going on. No, I'm <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, you know, tank for Trevor and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that's that's always happened. Um I'll be honest, the, the this isn't the first time the Browns have been investigated. I remember um it was the owner? Is it Jimmy Haslam? Isn't that the owner's name? Either him or or maybe that was the the GM. He was being investigated for all kinds of like seemed like a lot of like mafia kind of like stuff going yeah, on. That gas station, that pilot gas station stuff. Yep, yep. So check and, this out real quick. Um, Hugh Jackson claimed that they told him to lose games or whatever. Uh, and he told him that it'll hurt every black coach and whatnot. And he has documents to prove it. Well, apparently one of the documents is a claim backed up by one of his former players, um, Jason McCourty. He said, and I quote, there's no way we were trying to win. It was very obvious. That is no surprise to anyone. You don't need me to corroborate the story and say, oh, yeah, we were tanking. We were trying to lose. Duh. (laughs) End quote. (laughs) So, like, yeah, I don't know what I don't know what they're going to find, but the world knows they were tanking. Yeah, it's it's like I said, this is nothing new. Teams have been doing this. It seemed like. Seems more more like an NBA thing, honestly, because when you look at the way basketball is set up, if you get a LeBron or a Giannis or someone like that through the draft, and you can develop them and just put some solid guys around them, you got you got a shot at a championship. Football is such a different animal. I mean, of course, of course, having a Mahomes or a Brady, uh, having an Aaron Donald, of course, having guys like that helps. Nobody's arguing that. But it's so, it's so hard to get the right core together, and then you're you're trying to you know make sure guys are paid and everything. Uh, I mean, it's it's just such a different animal. But I will say this: those coaches, 
those, those scouts, everybody, they know who can play and who can't. And obviously, when you put certain guys out, you you know what you're trying to do. So, you know, the NFL is investigating itself. But it's like the government investigating itself. I don't, I don't know what more you expect. At least but, with the government, you have one side trying to sabotage the other side. So there's some sort of fairness because they're attacking each other so much. But um, those were two of the bigger stories in the NFL, bringing it closer to home a little bit. Um, Eddie has a problem with everybody, or not everybody, but with the folks saying that Washington should draft a wide receiver. It Look, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and be Skip Bayless slash Stephen A slash Mark Mad Dog Madsen, uh, whatever that guy's name, the the Mad Do- the radio guy, the one that they put on ESPN now, so that him and Stephen A can both just go nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm gonna play all those guys. Like, look, man, I'm not mad. I'm not trying to really start a fight here, but it just we have been bad for so long, and I love you know some of these things we've done. We've we've turned it around. We've started being sensible not wasting money, not wasting draft picks. We're trying to get the right guys. We're trying to develop those guys. I love all of that stuff. But we are still so far behind, like, being a team that's a receiver away. Yet all I see from everybody is that we need to draft a receiver. I'm so sorry. Were we able to cover people well last year? We weren't. How'd that linebacker we drafted last year work out? One year, so it's not really a fair thing for me to say that. And he was actually decent in coverage as the year ended. But I would be more looking at quarterback because I don't. Wentz is not the answer. And if you can get a Malik, we don't know that yet. I I know that he's not the long time answer, but we don't know that yet. And honestly, with a quarter, last time he finished the full season, last year. He played a full season. He, he didn't played miss all game. 17 games. See? But Ridiculous. look, even if Ridiculous. they did, if they drafted a quarterback, that put Eric cannot help them win this year. And they need to win this year. All right. And I don't think a wide receiver is going to help that. I really don't. Not a, not a rookie draft wide receiver. Not when we've already got Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Deami Brown. What, what is – what is Drake London or Chris Olivave or, or whoever, what is one of those guys going to come in here and do that somebody on our team already can't do? Because then they got to build chemistry with, with Wentz on top of learning the playbook. I, I just – I would much rather – obviously, Sauce Gardner's probably going to be gone. I don't know how I feel about going Hamilton at safety. I realize it was just a bad 40 time and that's not, you know, football is not just a, a, a one sprint 40 time and that's it. But I don't know how I feel about that, but I DB O-line linebacker quarterback. Those are much heavier need than a wide receiver. O-line is not a need. It's a need for depth, but you're not going to draft a depth O-lineman at 11. Um <clears throat> The only players, honestly, the only players that aren't a wide receiver that I'm even remotely interested in drafting 
are Sauce Gardner, um, Derek Stingley, and Kyle Hamilton, just because they're that good at um, their positions on defense. But honestly, there's no other position that the commanders need that can have an instant impact at that high of a position where we're picking more than wide receiver. And I hear what you're saying about having Naomi Brown, McMoran, and um, Samuel already. But as we saw in the playoffs, you need playmakers. And even if they did have those three receivers, I don't think that's enough firepower. So if there's a Garrett Wilson sitting there, and Kyle Hamilton, Stingley, and um, Gardner are already drafted, you'll be foolish to pass up on um, a Garrett Wilson just because you have Diami Brown and Curtis Samuel. Nah, man. I just feel like we could build the team in, in a, a much better way because, like I mentioned, you're going to have to learn the playbook. You're going to have to build that chemistry. But that's for every position. Honestly, in defense, it's probably harder to build chemistry instantly than it is on offense because – the secondary, I've heard secondary players say, like, the more we play together, the better the coverage has become. So I'm actually excited about our secondary next year, regardless of who they added, simply because as far as that, um, everybody's coming back except for Collins, who is um, arguably the weakest link. So yeah. they do well, need a Buffalo nickel, and Kyle Hamilton would perfectly fit that role, but... Um, I was talking to my cousin a couple of days ago. No, it was yesterday, matter of fact. And he believes that Hamilton isn't the free safety that a lot of people say they are. I mean, say that he is. And I'm kind of feeling that myself. But if the team decides that that's the way they want to go, that's an acceptable pick. But drafting a quarterback or a guard or a tackle or even a linebacker, even though linebacker is a strength, um, I mean, a position of need, there's nobody good enough to draft at 11. I just think that, you know, we could maybe not win now the way people want, but that that's also being unrealistic. We Like, we have a solid team, but we don't have a team that's ready to, to contend, like I said, for for the like to rationalize getting a receiver, I would much rather get a Malik Willis if he's there at eleven, which he potentially could be, and let him develop. You know, even if he ends up coming on towards the end of the year, because Carson's shown, you know, he he is not. Uh, um, I don't think he's durable. I really don't, and I think he he breaks down at the end of the year. He had that terrible Jacksonville game. I'm I'm not taking anything away from Jacksonville, but at the same time, when you have a chance to make the playoffs and you got Jonathan Taylor, you've got a Michael Pittman, you've got a solid defense, a solid O-line, Wentz flat out just didn't make plays. And there's other games where he tries to do so much and, and it works against him. Because there's been plenty of Colts, Colts reporters not Washington reporters, but Colts reporters, NFL analysts, et cetera, that said it was the players around Wentz that were playing just as bad as him. Like, I don't think people understand. 
Sure, the Colts only scored 12 points in week 17. They gave up 30. Well, I don't even know if it was 12. It was like six or something. But they gave up 30 to the Texans. Like, I understand, like, they didn't make the playoffs and that the quarterback is the leader or whatever. But when you have people admittedly saying that it was a team effort, then it was a team effort. If I'm, I'm saying if you put Wentz on Washington and they had those same positions, I mean, they were in those positions, that they wouldn't falter because Washington is a better team than Indianapolis. And yeah, I said it. Okay. They got so better that, weapons. They got a better offensive line. And I think they got better in coaches. Indy? Yes. They got better weapons and better offensive line in Indy. I don't know that. The only weapon that, the only weapon. The only weapon that Indy has over us is Jonathan Taylor. That's okay. it. But it's not like Gibson is trash. And that's I, what I'm trying to get people to understand. No, and I'm not down. This is about to have the best that. weapons that once is about to have the best weapons that he's ever had in his career, including the year when he um almost won the MVP. All right. Well, and I'm that's why you gotta give him another Mike. That's they, why you gotta give him another weapon. They gave up 26, which, I mean, you want to round up to 30. You know, go ahead. Wentz had, uh, let's see, 17 for 29, 185, a touchdown, an interception, sacked six times. Exactly. And lost the fumble. And, sacked six times. And so all six are on the offensive line. It's not him holding no, the ball. No, I'm not saying that. But when PFF and ESPN and football outsiders are saying that the Colts pass, def- um, pass offensive protection, is ranked in the bottom third of the league. But I would say he has a lot to do with that. When the quarterback holds onto the ball too much and tries to dance around like him and Big no, Ben. No, these are specifically pass-blocking metrics. It ain't have, it, these, this stat has nothing to do with the quarterback. All right, well, same, I'm just looking at two same, turnovers. And... and the same stat where the um, Colts are usually ranked towards the bottom, Washington is ranked towards the top. And Taneke got sacked a lot last season. But yeah, Washington still point. has better passing. But I would argue that Taneke got sacked a lot because he was doing the same thing Wentz was doing. And exactly. Uh, but why are the Colts at the bottom of the list and Washington towards the top? Because Wentz is just as reckless as Heineke is with the ball? I don't know. You tell me. But if Man, they are. Wentz if, is supposed to be this great player. Even if Wentz was, why is Washington pass blocking consistently ranked better than um, Indianapolis if both Haneke and Wentz are reckless with the ball? Well, that's a a thing specifically tied to the O-line then. Right, and that's what I'm saying. Washington has a better O-line, and their receivers are better, and you know our receivers aren't that good, but Washington has better receivers. I think but, Terry better than Michael Pittman, but Curtis Samuel never made it on the field. I don't know what's going on with T.Y. Hilton, but he's shown me he can be ridiculous. So hard to hard to speak on that one. I'm just looking at like, look, I had Jonathan Taylor on my fantasy team. I watched every indie game I could. I'm telling you, there's a lot of times where Carson Wentz tried so hard to do so much. And it, like the Tennessee game, like, dude. He threw, like, two pick sixes within, like, a minute of each other. I don't want somebody like that on my team that's going to fold. And that's why we need to go get Malik Willis, okay? How I mean, do we if know like, he look, won't fold? We're about, to talk, we're about to talk about 
draft bus here in a second. And it's not fair because probably the biggest, most coveted position is quarterbacks. But do you know the biggest draft bus by, by position is quarterback? Right? right. The net, what do you think the next one is? What do you think is next after that? It's wide receiver. I don't not want recently. Josh Doxson, Rod Gardner. I don't want guys like that on my team. Look Troy how far Wilkinson. you're going back. We, like you're going so far back. Because we hit on Terry in the third round. We didn't draft him in the first. You're talking about all these receivers that we drafted years ago. I'm talking about recently when you got Bama's like Waddle and Smith and Chase, like, taking over the league. Year before that, Jefferson was cooking. Like, you don't yeah, have to be stupid. Those guys went to teams that already had a good offense. Those, those guys went to teams okay, that were – Okay, I think like, Washington has position. a good offense. They just needed a better quarterback. I don't know, Mike. I don't know, man. And that's what I'm saying. Like, Haneke don't have an NFL arm. And Washington won no, seven no. games with them. We ain't arguing there. Like, Washington I, won think... seven games with a quarterback that doesn't have an NFL arm. Like, the, uh, I'm telling you, I've been I, – this offense is just as good as the McVay's offense. The only difference is that McVay had Cousins and this offense was ran by Heineke. If you put Cousins I, in this offense and Heineke on the um, McVay offense, then the, op- the results would probably be the opposite. <laughs> I, I'm just to the point where I hope there's a team like Carolina or somebody foolish that tries to trade up and we just can trade back and get, get more stock. So that's I, regardless. I, I hope they trade back regardless of who's available. Well, but what I'm saying is if we trade back, then maybe – like, I don't know. I know this sounds weird, but I wouldn't feel so bad if it was a late first-round pick on a receiver. I just – I don't know how to explain it. I just feel like there's some some superstition and some some tradition and some, you know, some unwritten rules here at play where you got to, like, make these – I just – I don't want us to be the Detroit Lions where we're – picking Charles Rogers and then Roy Williams and then Mike Williams. Calvin Johnson worked out because he's just a legend. So, so one so out of five. We drafted a defensive player fit for five straight seasons. We did. And I had no problem with it. And I'm like, no, like, and then for as good as Curtis and Naomi Brown are or could be, like, even if they did reach their peak, they still wouldn't be a dog. There are dogs that's going to be available, potential dogs that's going to be available next um, um, next week's draft. So I'm like, don't pass on a dog, man, to get an offensive guard or a quarterback that might be good when you can get another quarterback in the draft next year that's probably better. Like, there's no need to draft that quarterback now when you got Winston Haneke on the team. So, shouldn't go quarterback, shouldn't go offensive line. Nobody's going to draft a running back or a tight end um, that high. Only position left is wide receiver. Somebody that can actually come in and actually compete and bring production instantly to the team. Um, But outside of that, like I'm saying, they should trade back anyway. Like, I hope somebody want to trade up and they're willing to trade back. but. I guess we'll see next week. Yeah, I, I re- like I said, I hope it's like the Panthers or, you know, somebody the like Panthers that. Panthers in front of us. 
Really? Yeah, they got the seventh for they had the seventh yeah, seventh pick, I believe. I think the order goes Jaguars first, Lions second, right Texans third. It's um, uh I got you. Jags, Lions, Texans, Jets, Giants, Panthers, New York Giants again. So the Giants are at five and at seven. Mm-hmm. Falcons at eight, Seahawks at nine. Then the Jets pick again as well. Um they go, they pick at four and they pick at 10. And then we're at 11, Minnesota at 12, Houston at 13. It's really kind of crazy because there's at least, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's eight teams picking in the top 19. Um, and most of them got there from some kind of trade within like the last two years. So. Pretty crazy. I'm trying to be one of them teams next year with two first round picks. Yeah, tell me about it. But the, um, the one that's really ironic is, or not ironic, but just kind of interesting. So the Saints, they made, you know, they made a bunch of trades. So peep this. Uh, let me see how I do this. Yeah. The Eagles pick at 15. The Saints pick at 16. The Eagles pick at 18. Mike, guess who picks at 19? Saints. The Saints. And so those those picks, um, <laughs> Philadelphia got the 18th pick from New Orleans. New Orleans got the 19th pick from Philadelphia. But then, uh, like I said, back at pick 15 and, and 16, the Eagles and Saints are picking right next to each other again. I, I don't know. I just thought, like, things like that stand out to me, just kind of weird. But a uh, lot, of, lot of teams getting a second first-round pick or a second uh, draft pick in the first round. Um, via trade from like the last few years it's it's going to be interesting got at least i'm looking let me see at least three maybe no there's five different teams have two two picks in the first round all right michelangelo the nfl draft is but seven days away i believe and you know this is that time where we start hearing about wingspans and 40 times and who can throw a ball how far from their knees and jumping out of pools and all kinds of other crazy things just to get attention. Um, but, you know, honestly, a lot of times it seems like it's all for naught and it kind of ends up being more of a like a prom slash homecoming popularity contest. I mean, we can sit here and just name tons and tons of guys that were drafted high that just didn't work out. Now you could argue some of it is that typically high picks go to bad teams. Those teams could ruin that player because they're just that bad. If it's a quarterback, you know, like a David Carr, uh, you know, Houston Texans are just not good. And he got sacked all the time. People argue, well, you know, if they were a little bit better, you know, his career might have been longer, but he was getting hit so much. So we already talked about this a little bit um, in the earlier segment. Uh, it goes completely against me wanting to draft Malik Willis, but draft by position. And I mean, by far and away, easy quarterback. Uh, 30% chance of drafting a four or five in the first round, right? That's like a percentage, like or how good they are. Um, it's the most boomer bust. So, um, I got to look in, I, I found this article on bleacher report, um, trying to bring it up right now. And it's saying, 
what are the safest positions to draft in the first round? Thoughts would be pretty interesting. So ideally, like when you think about this, you know, we know who the Ryan Leafs are. We know who I mentioned some of those Detroit wide receivers. We know who those guys are. Uh, maybe some of you older guys know a guy like a Tony Mandarich. Um, steroids was involved with that. So let's be fair when we're doing all this grading. I would argue your, your safest picks are probably going to be your linemen, your DBs. That, that would be, you know, what I would say. Um, the thing I think that you have to look at more than anything is, is not just how good a player is, but where do they fit to your team? Like in terms of not just their style of play, but them as a person. Um, that, that can really go a long way to bring a team together or divide a team. Um, as great as he was, T.O.'s a prime example of that. And I, I don't mean to kind of throw him under the bus like he's the only kind of player that had that effect on a team. You know, there, a lot of guys will tell you T.O. was a hell of a teammate and obviously a, a ridiculous player. I think he caught a touchdown in Arena League the other day. Um, I'm, I'm not kidding. I swear to God, I think he caught a, a, an indoor Arena League touchdown. Well, indoor Arena League. In, <laughs> an Arena League touchdown. But – you know, I think your next biggest bust is still going to be at receiver. Uh, you know, it's not just the Lions. You know, I can think of like a Troy Williamson from Jacksonville. You know, we I mentioned Josh Dodson, Rod Gardner for us. You know, a lot of people give him credit for the Heisman pose news at Michigan. Desmond Howard was drafted to Washington in the first round. It didn't work out at all. Like, I'm telling you, these guys – are great in college and some of it is the scheme. Some of it is they're that athletic. They don't focus on fundamentals. Um, and some of it is the team drafting them. It just isn't good and doesn't develop them either. Did you say like, Charles Woodson? No, no, no. I said Desmond Howard. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. No, I, right. And that's Howard. what I was going to say. The Raiders. Right. And that's what I was going to say about Howard. That's a perfect example of, um, drafting somebody in the first round and defining them a bust or not because after he left Washington, he had a decent finish with the Packers in his career. Oh, yeah. And he even won the Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, like imagine if Devin Hester was drafted to the um, Redskins. Do you think he would have became a Hall of Fame-type um, returner? Sure, Brian Mitchell did it, but he was with Gibbs. Do you think Hester would have did that under Zorn? Well, and, you know, the other thing is he, he would have gotten a lot of looks <laughs> at return because we, teams scored on us so much. But, yeah, I, I, it's, it's a, a great example because, unfortunately, you know, what do they say? Like, bad leadership can, can ruin everything. You know, right? There's There's some kind of saying where it's like, a good leader will, will bring a team together. A bad leadership, like make everybody quit. It's something like I just saying, like, like it's, it's it's that it's that sensitive, that touchy, that fragile of you know the psyche and, and the the momentum a, a team has when you bring in some kind of lightning rod. You know, it don't matter how good they are. I don't I don't think that gets talked about enough. But you know, you bring in these receivers and. You know, a lot of these guys, they're especially nowadays, they're fast, they're in great shape. You look at a DK Metcalf, but sometimes it's not that simple. 
even if you got Medcalf or Tyreek Hill speed, it's not just, hey, I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to run and you're going to throw me the ball. Like, no, it don't work that way. Like, the NFL, like, not for long, man. That's, that's what it stands for, honestly, not for long. I wanted to do a subject too, but maybe we'll save it. I wanted to look in how often Mel Kuyper's right about his picks because I've always enjoyed seeing him talk and, you know, kind of like, oh, you know, I, I want to be something like that one day where I can just talk sports and have all this knowledge and people look up to my opinion or whatever. Um, but, you know, next more show so probably, And the next show probably be dedicated all about um, the draft previews anyway, so we'll definitely yeah. talk about that. Um, we're going to take a quick break, come back, talk about the NBA, and then, yeah, a little baseball and caps talk. It's the Eddie and Mike podcast. We're in the kitchen. Welcome back to Eddie and Mike. Um, the NBA playoffs, they started on Saturday officially with the Timberwolves, Nets, Hawks, and Pelicans qualifying for the seventh and eighth spot in their respective conferences. Um, most series have been played already two games. And in those series, we have the Heat 2-0 over the Hawks, the Sixers 2-0 over the Raptors. I think both of those will be sweeps. Uh, we have the Bucks 1-0 over the Bulls, and the Celtics 1-0 over the Brooklyn Nets with a clutch Easter Sunday win. Um, surprisingly, the Suns are tied with the Pelicans 1-1. Um, they lost Book last night. He's officially out for game three and four. The Suns are in trouble. Um... The Mavs and Jazz are tied at one. And the Warriors have a 2-0 lead over the Nuggets. And the series of the playoffs so far, the Grizzlies and Timberwolves are tied at one. Eddie, what are your thoughts so far about the playoffs? I mean, bro, I'm not going to tell you I've watched every game because I haven't, but I've definitely, you know, kept know an eye I've kept an eye on the ESPN app, checking scores. I'm checking highlights. I, I mean, this is just great. First off, I don't know what's up with the Jazz. Like, it seemed like they were everybody's darling, and Donovan Mitchell's the spider, and he's making scoring all these points. And it just all of a sudden they've kind of become like expendable, more or less. You know what I mean? Like, like an afterthought. And you look at what the Mavs did to him without Luka, like, that dude Brunson can ball. I know there was some some talk that he should have got the most Im, uh, improved player award. And I, I don't want to disagree with that because John Morant's such a polarizing figure. Like, that's kind of not fair. Like, you kind of expect him to, you know, kind of get up to that level that he's starting to head to. That was why he was drafted so high. Uh, I don't know that the Suns are in trouble. Because while I will definitely sort of root for, like, a Pelicans team, they're the underdog, 
I like Brandon Ingram's game. I think he's definitely starting to kind of become that elite player, you know, why he was such a high recruit when he went to Duke. Um, obviously, I'm like everybody else. Love the drama, love the ratchetness. I'm just hoping some stuff unfolds with this uh, Celtics and Nets rivalry. And, look, I'm talking to all y'all. This includes Mike, all right? I was never a Kevin Durant fan because I'm a Jayhawks fan. He went to Texas. So we used to beat the brakes off him when he was at Texas. I loved it then. I'm not somebody who's rooting for the Nets and this built team that they had, even though they, they got rid of Harden. Kevin Durant is out here trying to do everything for that Nets team. I know Irvin's putting up buckets, playing out of his mind, but Kevin Durant is playing defense. He's bringing the ball up the court, running the show. And my man switches, comes off a screen, and then turns. <laughs> and it was one of them situations, almost like, like a wide receiver in football, like I know where I'm going to go. The DB doesn't know where I'm going to go. And sometimes those are the breaks. And all of a sudden we got all these still photos of KD looking like Bambi on ice. Y'all need to put some respect on that man's name. Because I think this KD that, we, that we're seeing for the Nets is by far and away better than the KD that was playing for the uh, the Warriors. By far and away. I don't care about, you know, if he's had some inconsistent games. I think when you see what he does as far as sharing the ball and rebounding, and that that just that ability to like, all right, they're not giving me the three. I'm going to take it strong. I'm going to go for that little mid-range, that little um, baseline sort of baby J. That like, yeah, run your mouth. Uh Win, lose, or draw, all y'all, like, bro, I know some of y'all listen to the podcast. Do not be out here disrespecting Kevin Durant because the Celtics had a play and set him up. That it, that can go both ways. Both ways. I don't so know I'm why really you called me out. I seen you, Mike. You were liking, you were liking the post. I seen you. I mean, if I, I don't know, like, man. I just am trying to create some because we agree we're too friendly with each other. So I'm, yeah, I'm doing some WWE about. here. I'm trying to, trying to pump up the number. <laughs> what is he talking about? I want to see you, Mike, this Sunday for the title in the cage. Shut up, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, like Katie's name for real though. Um. So far, I love what I'm saying. Like, the NBA playoffs has always been my favorite postseason. Um, The only games I've caught so far, I believe, are the beginning of the Nets and Celtics game and majority of the Grizzlies and T-Wolves game ones. Um, I didn't see game two for anyone, but um, I I, I can't wait to see the next game for this Grizzly-T-Wolves series. And I can't wait for tonight. Um, Nets and Celtics on 420. And look, I'm I'm gonna be real with y'all. KD on 420. Come on, you know he's cooking tonight. Absolutely, you know he's cooking. He's gonna be in the kitchen. If anybody's in the kitchen, KD is gonna be in the kitchen. Um, and in the same breath that I'm telling everybody, put some respect on KD's name. Please keep up the memes and all the fun y'all are having with Pat Beverly and the rest of the Timberwolves. <laughs> I get what I was just talking about with the Pelicans and whatever. The the Timberwolves team is they are not in the same breath where it's an underdog I want to root for. All them memes and 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 post of Pat Beverly jumping on the scoreboard and throwing his jersey in the crowd after the playing game. My man is sick. I like he if if anybody 
Like, that's the reason that that Timberwolves team must be stopped. They, like, for real. Ant-Man is great. Cat, I don't know why people call him soft. I don't think he's soft. I think the NBA is a little bit of a different animal these days. I think my man just got a little flustered in that first game because of the way they played D on him so well and whatnot. But, I mean, he had that dunk. Just hopefully builds on that. But I think that Grizzlies team, man, they, they've shown that when they're on, they, they want to run you out of the gym. They, they almost want you to try to fight them. They beat you so bad. Like, I don't know if you peeped that. Like, some of, their, some of their regular season games, they're beating fools by, like, 40 and 50 points. And it's, like, points in the game where the game's over and they're still putting up points like it's a close game. And that last game, they, they almost won, won by 30. So, I'm, I'm anxious to see what that Memphis team will do. You got what it was this year three for Ja, year two. So anxious to see that as well. But it's 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 the Celtics and the Nets. Um, I will say in a roundabout way, and they, they got a Jayhawk on the team as well. Kind of wouldn't mind seeing the Warriors do kind of well. I like the way this team is set up, where you got a Jordan Poole, Gary Payton Jr., Otto Porter some role-playing guys like that, and Andrew Wiggins and a healthy Draymond. I kind of like the way that team is set up. So, wouldn't mind seeing them do well. This Bulls and Bucks game starting John late. Oh, starting really? Starting at 9.30. Yeah. yeah. You know what, though? I mean, look, no disrespect to those other two other games because I think the Sixers are – I think it's going to be them and, and the Bucks in the East. Mm-hmm. But – Nets and Celtics is a super fun matchup, but I would say the Bulls and Bucks, based on the fact that they're healthy, you got guys like DeRozan and Levine who are just ballers, just buckets upon buckets. And you got Caruso and some of these other guys that are just gritty and going to get out there and just make it happen. And then, you know, the Bucks are the Bucks, they're the defending champs. So I think that's like the marquee game. I think that's why they did that. They, they want to make sure it's like prime, prime time. That's the only thing I could think of because that all that's all East. So, you know, that's that's the way I look at that. But man, Nets Celtics, yeah, definitely, definitely gonna be peeping that. Um, and outside of that, it's still kind of early to like say who's looking the best. Um, I'm just I'm just ready to see some more ball. Pretty much, I will say this: something that I saw. And just being like one of those guys that, you know, when I was younger, you know, I, if you asked me about basketball, I'd say Jordan Bird. I'd, I'd mention a few guys that like, I'm not going to front like I watched every game they played. I watched them play a little bit, but I knew about them because my dad was kind of like educating me too, right? So growing up, you know, watching ball, I obviously knew who Gary Payton was. Well, Gary Payton's son plays for the Warriors and the Warriors are in a little series with the, uh, with the Nuggets. And I don't, I don't have all the context, but it was one of them things where uh, a bucket was made or a foul was called and then up TV timeout, whatever. And, you know, the team sort of crossed paths going to their benches, almost making an X. And <laughs> your man Joker's just walking. Peyton Jr. comes up behind him, gives him the old butt slap like, like he did something good. Well, they don't play on the same team, and Joker didn't like it. And I look at it, and I'm like, man, Apple don't fall too far from the tree. I mean, he's he's – getting under Joker's skin, just doing everything like his dad used to do. And 
that kind of gives me that that nostalgic feeling. Like I love stuff like that. Love stuff like that. So Jokic was ready to throw hands, man. Hey, and Joker don't he don't play that. And I saw too. You remember that thing he got in with one of the Morris twins? There's a a camera angle at that game where like there was mad security on the floor because he had a couple of brothers that are about mm-hmm. the same size as him. They were trying to get on the court. They wanted to throw down too. They 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 were ready to ride for their brother. So you, you got a whole bunch of Jokic's running around. You hey, Peyton Jr. might want to be careful, man. <laughs> and some big boys. Hey, who are you telling? Speaking of um, big boys, um, the Nats, they starting off good. They won, They swept the D-backs last night in a double hitter because of a rain out on Easter Monday. Um, I was talking to Eddie. I told him I gave up on them already because it just don't feel like they're going to do anything this season. Like, I could just sense it. Um, but eh, who knows? Right now they're second in the NL East. Um, Juan Soto's still doing this thing. I think he got um he's batting two eighty nine, got a sluggish percentage of like um three eighty, I think, or five eighty, something like that. Um the dude is cooking. And I hope they can, you know, fight for division, wild card maybe, but I ain't holding my breath. It, it's it's definitely going to be different for the simple fact that we're in a we're in a weird period. Uh, our owners are not necessarily the best with wanting to spend money. Um, there's actually a chance that they might be uh, trying to sell the team or some of the team to Ted Leonsis or the highest bidder because um, the learners are into real estate and you know COVID really messed up real estate with. Everybody figuring out how to work uh, virtually, excuse me, work from home. So not a lot of office buildings being bought up anymore. And uh, you have that whole thing where uh, Juan Soto, you know, we need to pay him. Um, you factor in, you know, guys like Strasburg, you know, a Doolittle being put on the D on the DL for 10 days. Uh, it just kind of makes things tough. But we got a lot of younger guys that are out there just playing tough ball. Um, hopefully Victor Robles can – get out of the funk he was kind of in last year. So right now, six and seven, that Diamondbacks team is pretty tough. They don't have a great record. But, uh, you know, that one nothing game last night was a nail-biter because it, we, we ended it with the bases loaded. Not for us. <laughs> the Diamondbacks had the bases loaded. And uh, we got the outs. But they're, they're tough, man, despite their record. And it's really early. Uh, hopefully – Nelson Cruz can can fit in with the Soto and a Josh Bell. And, uh, you know, we can just kind of, you know, play a different style of Nationals uh, baseball. You know, it used to be in the past, we were all about the pitching. Well, maybe now it's time to, uh, you know, start hollering at that long ball a little more, especially with some of the guys we got. And especially with the DH man in the yep. league now. Um, yep. major wide, so mm, yeah, it, I'll say I'll give them to let's start calling this date the can they do it line or what's going on line or I'm over it line. 
May 22nd or May 23rd. Like, if I ain't feeling them by then, I'm out. Realistically, the Mets have started off very well. They're nine and three. We'll see how long that holds up. The teams I'm really would be worried about, Philadelphia has a ton of talent, but I'm not sure what's going on there. They're at the bottom of the division. Um, Atlanta, you know, they won the World Series last year. Uh, so, you know, you would obviously want to give them their respect, but uh, Acuna Jr., some of their other, you know, Freddie Freeman's gone. So you're saying there's a chance. I, I mean, I'm looking around the league. There's a lot of teams with five or six wins. I mean, a lot. And, and that goes for almost both divisions in both leagues, the American and National. The only thing I'd say is the National League West seems like it's just a little bit above all the other leagues. You got Colorado uh, and the Dodgers with eight wins, three losses apiece. San Francisco with seven wins and four losses. And then the Padres with eight wins and five losses. Arizona's in that division, unfortunately for them, so they're three and eight. But you look at those other four teams' records – and then you go to all the other divisions and almost everybody's six and seven or, you know, seven and five, five and five, like it's wide open right now. And rightfully so the season just started. So um, one thing I was looking at and it's a result of um, just, you know, the whole thing with the collective bargain agreement, you know, the holdout between the players union and the owners um, trying to look at the date here. I know it was the, at least, uh, about a week ago, um, Clayton Kershaw had an opportunity for um, a perfect game, and he was pulled with 80 pitches already thrown, which it's not a terrible amount. Starting pitchers, they usually between 80 and 100. But anyway, he was pulled from a, a perfect game. This is April 13th. And apparently he had asked to do this. Now, there was talk once the agreement between the players and owners had, had been come to um, that, you know, some of these pitchers, these Kershaws, Strasburgs, et cetera, that they'd be on a pitch count because they, they, they get paid a ton of money. And, you know, it's sort of like having a really nice car. You, you don't want to take it out on a bad weather, you know, rain, snow, whatever. You want to take it out on a nice sunny day. You want to drive on smooth roads. You don't want to drive on bumpy roads, mess up the tires. So there's a lot of that kind of thought going into it, but a lot of people had a problem with it because baseball has all those unwritten rules and traditions. So there was a lot of people griping about this, but apparently Kershaw asked, he said, Hey, I'm good for about one more inning. So um, it's kind of a, a, a spicy meatball to jump into there but uh what do you think man i know you're not a big baseball guy but no I'm, i am i'm not the biggest um <laughs> i hate the unwritten rules part man like that's like saying if if we're the let's say the wizards are playing they're up 20 on somebody and bill as went for 67 points he already broke the franchise record, um, but it's still the be- it's still the middle of the third quarter. So everybody like, oh, leave him in, leave him in, so he can break Kobe's record or uh, try to get a hundred or whatever. And the coach like, nah, we gonna arrest him. He already scored sixty seven points. Like, why are you gonna risk further injury just for a record for one game when 
the Dodgers are a potentially World Series contending team. We don't know what can happen with these pitchers. And, um, yeah, I know perfect games are real or whatever, but um, no need to risk it for the biscuit. Yeah, I couldn't agree more when you think team mentality. Now, if that's where Kershaw was coming from, then, you know, tip of the cap to him. And and I'm – I do apologize in advance because I don't want to paint the picture, um, but I also like to, you know, kind of look at both sides of the spectrum. You know, one could argue that maybe he wanted to go out so that he was healthy to keep making money. Now, if you keep winning, you make money too. Uh, but I haven't seen anything that that contradicts him being a team guy. You know, I don't I don't think there's a lot of talk of uh, Clayton Kershaw being a, a me first, um, team second type of guy. So you know if that if that's the way they're thinking, I, you know I I tend to like it. It's it's a team first mentality, like you said. It's um you know it's it's one game and it's early on. It, it reminds me you know that that, that Lakers show on HBO which. That show is awesome. If you guys haven't checked out Winning Time, the story of the Lakers from the 80s, it's a great show. Need to check um, it out. It, it is. And they actually, one of the episodes, they kind of cover this. And I'm, I've always remembered, um, you know, those classic ESPN games, you know, the Celtics and the Lakers, games like that. Well, it's the Sixers and the, um, the Lakers. And it's like the very first game of the season. And the Lakers get the ball with like, 0.4 seconds magic does like this long inbound to kareem kareem hook shots it and it goes in well magic is jumping all over kareem was like oh we did it we did it and kareem's like you don't get the hell off of me man we got 80 more of these games to go like that like that mentality that is it in a nutshell you know like yeah it sucks that the dodgers and kershaw couldn't have some kind of perfect game but in this day and age with these pitchers throwing well over 100 and all these games they're playing, why not have Kershaw, like, fresh and healthy in the playoffs? You know, that whole thing where you want to market all your best? Kind of suck if he wasn't available because he had to play that one game. And let's face it, if there is a division that's, like, killing it right now, it is the NL West. Yeah, I, that's um, what I was just saying. So he, they got to stay competitive. They need him. They're second in the division right now. <laughs> they are tied with the Rockies for first. Yep. Um, and the Rockies swept them in that division. I'm pretty sure the Rockies mm, won two out of three or three out of four. I'm, yeah. I'm more than positive. It was, it, it was to start the season. So It's wild. You can tell, man, um, look at the differentials of the teams that are winning or and whatnot like the Mets are plus 29 and run differential um hey that's weird the the White Sox are first in the central with a negative four run difference <laughs> wow everybody in the in, um I'm sorry AL central um are negative run differential except for the Cleveland Guardians they plus are 21. plus 21 <laughs> They 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 scoring a lot of runs, but um yeah the MLS is tough and they always tough um it's usually the Dodgers and Giants but now you got the Padres coming to the party and the Rockies of all teams leading the division early 
But um, as Wizards fans, we know what can happen with a strong start. Um, it can easily become trash. Indeed, sir. So, you know, as as consistent as the Nats are, and as much as I like to go to their games, I, you know, I think we end the segment, or uh, actually in the show, talking about the most consistent team in DC. Uh, you and I were talking on the phone, and you dropped this little jewel on me yesterday. Mike, the Washington Capitals, out of the last 39 years, have made the playoffs 32 times. Like, that's that's pretty insane. That's 100% all of Ovechkin's career. Now, unfortunately, they, <laughs> they've had some too many early, early round exits, um, way too many. But, man, that's saying something. And, you know, we're looking at a team that I believe has won, uh, I think, like something like six out of their last seven games. They had that disaster in Toronto. But as a whole, you know, beating Tampa Bay, beating Pittsburgh, uh, the Islanders, getting a solid win the other night in Colorado. Uh, and Colorado is tied with Florida for the best record. Um, yeah. So really excited about the Caps. They seem to be getting healthy. My man, uh, Mantha, I love – like, that dude is – he's certainly not Ovechkin, but there's a similarity of, like, a big guy that can kind of move a little bit and score the puck. And, you know, it's like nobody wants to get in their way. Um, again, not Ovechkin at all, but just crazy. I, I love watching him play. And Ovechkin with 48, man. You know, ha- having tied uh, Timu Solane for most goals by a guy over 36. Huge, bro. Huge. Can't can't say enough about the Caps right now. Um, and I heard you say something about Ovechkin. Um, he's right now tied for the league for most goals scored by someone thirty six or older. Um, he has forty eight goals for the season, and I really think he might reach fifty. He definitely could reach 50. Uh, I mean, it's I, – I really it, – not just for the Caps, but it'd just be great. I've said this before. We need to go on a run, get another Stanley Cup. It's going to look so much better on Ovi's, uh, Ovi's Hall of Fame resume. You know, like to have all those trophies and then like only one Stanley Cup, like it just kind of seems – I don't know, seems lacking a little bit, despite the fact that he is as legit as they come. But – Ovi's rolling. I love the way the team's playing. Um, you know, teams like Carolina, Toronto, those, those are some tough teams. So I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, hey, man, all we got to do is get in and it's over. No, not at all, man. It's, it's, it's going to be tough, but we can do it. I, I really – I believe we can. We got, the, we got the guys. We got the youth. We got the experience. We got the size. Um, I'll be honest goaltender situation is a little bit iffy for me a little young a little inexperienced not sure if Carl Haglund's going to get healthy in time um he's a guy we could really use but when you look up and down that lineup that the talent um and it's not just the big name guys you know some of the uh Favary, Garnett Hathaway you know guys like that that are just putting in the yeoman's work um yeah I, I really I really like this team not just because I'm a DC guy but really like this Caps team. So hopefully now that we clinch this playoff berth, we can win this next uh, slew of games and 
go into the playoffs hot and make some noise. Right now, we're the last seed on the East, um, and we would have to play the Panthers in the first round. Hey, been a lot of times where we were the first seed and somebody knocked us out. <laughs> so doesn't mean it. Like what? Wouldn't it be cool if we did to some of these other teams what they've done to us in the past? All right. Just saying, and not, nothing specifically against the Florida or whoever we play, but just saying, you know, all those times where we got knocked out by somebody. Yeah. Let's, but, um, let's return the favor. We are only one point behind the Penguins for third in the Metropolitan Division. Um, so they can move up. And if that were to happen, they would be playing the New York Rangers in the first round. So it looks like they'll be playing the Florida Panthers or the New York Rangers in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah, and the Penguins just lost to the Bruins on Saturday, and then they, they ironically turn right around and host the Bruins tomorrow. So, um, you know, Penguins kind of got a favorable end of their schedule. Flyers, Red Wings, Oilers, Blue Jackets. So, we'll see. Maybe they slip up. Um, honestly, whether it's Florida or the Rangers, I'm, I'm not – neither one of those teams are a team that I want or don't want. So – kind of doesn't matter as long as we're in and have a chance. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, we are going to bounce out. Y'all enjoy the holidays. If you happen to listen to this before midnight on 420. Um, and, yeah, other than that, just enjoy your week. And we're going to be back next week with the NFL Draft Special. It'll probably be a little bit playoff basketball at the end of the show, but I won't expect much caps and mass talk next week. Yeah, we'll be a little preoccupied. So, um, y'all be safe. We're going to holler at y'all, man. All righty. That's it. I couldn't think anything. (laughs) 